0: Well, good morning again. Good morning. morning. I'd like to welcome you all to Round Oak Baptist Church. If you don't know me, or if you are a guest, my name is Trevor, I'm pastor here, and I'm super glad that each and every one of you chose to get up this morning and come here to worship with us. Because it is a beautiful day to worship the Lord. Again, not that yesterday wasn't, or tomorrow will not be, but today we get the opportunity to come here. We can see the sun is Coming through the windows. It is a gorgeous day. God gave us that, as part of the blessings that He gives us every day, is that He wakes us up and we get to put our feet on the floor and stand up, or take a breath. Some of us it's harder to get up. Some of us it's a little bit harder to take a breath. But the Lord sustains everything that we need each and every day. But again, I want to get right into this, and we're going to be uh, continuing through the book of John, looking at. What Finley read here just a couple minutes ago, uh, chapter 4, verses 27 through 38. So we're going as we keep going through this, I want you to kind of bring up the pace, just in case you weren't here last week, bringing up the speed real quick. We looked at the story of the woman at the well last week. And Jesus explained to her that there were some new things that she didn't necessarily know what was going on. Some things that, that she did not know. He revealed to her just who he really was, which is by far the most important thing that any of us could know. And now we broke it down fairly good. I I knew it was a little bit longer because I had to hear about it afterwards. But, (laughs) and I made somebody late for lunch. But, so we're not gonna go through the whole thing again. But if you want to, again, I have notes, um, you can read it, and you'll know exactly what's going on, you'll be caught back up, and if you're not there now, feel free afterwards, but look, because it all goes in a real nice pace with each other. And knowing what's going on is very important, which is why I preach through the Bible verse by verse, so that we can keep it in context, because that's how uh, you know, the Holy Spirit chose to reveal it and write it down for us, so we keep it in that order. But again, we're not going to go through the whole thing. But again, that kind of brings you up to where we are now. So again, I'm not going to read the whole section again because we just heard it. But again, we're in John 4, 27 through 38. And as we start to look at this, we start to read this, there's a couple things that stand out, at least to me. Something that I think we should kind of keep an eye on. Something we should think about. It's not the most you know, mind-blowing thing in the whole world. But it is important. I think there's little things like that we should look at. At least to me it stands out. It says when they arrived that they were amazed. That is the, the disciples. That the disciples were amazed. So they didn't say anything. They weren't talking about it. Because we see, we rewrite there. It says that they didn't they didn't talk about it. So if they didn't talk about it, how do we have the... How do we have the record, right? Just little questions you ask yourself. Then we start to think, well, they would know because John, the author of this book, was there. He was there, he was an eyewitness. He was he had the inside scoop. So we get to look at it from both perspectives. We have the Holy Spirit inspiring John what to write, so that we get to see what John is talking about, what he saw. And we also get to have again the letters in, in red, we get to see what Jesus was thinking. We get both perspectives. And again, that's one of the things I love. If you are into apologetics at all, you have probably have heard this, but if not, this is really fun to, to think about. When you look at the accounts of the disciples, those who wrote this, the biblical authors, right, as they were being inspired by the Holy Spirit on what to write, what's one of the things that always comes out? The fact that they make fun of themselves. No other author in the world trying to prove their point would do that not one they would not call themselves stupid and little faith which is what they reportedly are being told by Jesus Jesus calls them simple he calls them dull he says they have no faith nobody in the world would say follow me i'm smart give me all your stuff by the way i'm an idiot and i make fun of myself they would have put themselves up on a high place that's one of the things that you know during apologetics i'll tell you that there's no other book in the world like this it gives authority it gives credit to it But again, I digress, and we will keep moving on. Again, John had the inside scoop. And another thing I like to look at as we we look at this, as we set this up, the next few verses, there's a little bit of divine providence of God here. We talked about that last week, that Jesus, being God, set all these things up so that this stuff could happen, so that us today could sit here and talk about it. Let's sit here and learn about it. Again, get into a little bit more of the mind of God. But again, as we looked at in verse 27, it says, Just then the disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. It says, Just then, or your verse or your version might say something along the lines of at that very point or something like that. But the disciples came back from getting food at the exact perfect time. Just as Jesus was revealing to this woman who exactly she was, or exactly he was, excuse me just a few minutes earlier and they would have interrupted the whole thing right they could have they could have they could have blew the whole thing to smithereens this whole dialogue would have been messed up a few seconds later and they would have missed everything that jesus said they wouldn't have got the good stuff right not having heard that jesus was the messiah and saying that he was out loud with his own mouth they would have missed that just a few seconds later and they would have missed it all But as we can see, through what happened, through John who was there, that they came at exactly the right and perfect and appointed time. And they were amazed. Why? Why were they amazed? Because Jesus was performing some kind of crazy awesome miracle? Did Jesus heal someone? Did He turn water into wine? Did He raise somebody from the dead? No, not here. Not necessarily, but we'll get there in just a second. I heard someone say yes. The amazement here, which I do think better translated astonished, which some of your versions, again, might have, because it's more of a a aghast. They were greatly perplexed. It wasn't the good kind of astonished. When it says that they were astonished or that they were... Amazed, it wasn't a good one. Because in their minds, there was absolutely zero reason for Jesus to be talking to a Samaritan woman. Like, what are you doing? We don't do that. That's that's not what we do here. They were astonished that that was happening. Not to mention the kind of person that she was. The sin that that she was steeped in. Though I don't think that they knew that at the time. But if they would have, they would have lost it. You cannot talk to a woman like that. But there was also something else happening. Because as they pulled up, what did they not do? They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. They had known Jesus long enough that they understood that he was not bound to something, right? That he was not bound to the Jewish expectations and the Jewish traditions of that time. So, they knew that there was good reason for Jesus to be there. It was a huge lesson for the disciples, one that we need to keep in mind as well here today. Yes, the gospel will be preached first to the Jew, but it's not exclusively to the Jew. And that's very good news for, I'm going to assume, the vast majority of us. It would not be exclusively preached to Israel. It would cross cultural borders. It would break all the social norms that we have. And again, this was hard for many of the Jews, especially the disciples, because a few of them were like super Jews, right? They really were. It was hard for them to accept this, to get it. And this was nothing new. This whole breaking down cultural barriers, this doing different things and getting it outside of Israel was nothing new. And I love this example. I'm going to bring this one up because there is many, but this is my favorite because I'm going to assume everybody here has heard this. But one example would be Jonah. You know, the fish guy, right? He was told to go to Nineveh. So he hopped on a train and went to Nineveh, right? No, he went the opposite way. He bolted. He ran away. Not because he was scared. Not because he feared for his life. Not that he's like, those guys are tough and they're going to kill me. Nothing like that. It's because he didn't want God to see mercy be given. He didn't want God to have mercy on somebody that he didn't like. He simply didn't like them. So what we have to look at, whether it was Jonah, all the way back then, the disciples, what we're looking at now, or each and every one of us here today, what we need to realize is that the good news of Jesus Christ is for literally all people. Every one of people. You're a people. It's for you. You're a people. It's for you. I'm a people. It's for me. It's for all people. But we say, We do also sadly understand that not everybody will be saved. Not everybody's going to get it. But not for a second does that mean that we can hold back. Not for a second does that mean that we get a, a, a cop out of the whole thing. Like, well, they're not going to get it anyway. I'm just going to go home. No, we, we don't get that luxury. We're not in that kind of position. We don't get that privilege. We don't get to withhold because we think maybe something about somebody. I don't like your dark colored hair. I'm not, I, I think your hair is very pretty. <laughs> <Everybody> is. <laughs> I, I don't like people from a different county. Remember that high school who beat us in football? I am not going to tell them about Jesus because, yeah, they beat us 77 to nothing. I don't want to see them up there forever. We, have, we can laugh about the little things, right? We can. But there are people who do that. I don't like you because you're taller. I don't like you because of the color of your skin. I don't like you for what country you're from, what language you speak. Which part of that is not all people, right? It's every single person. The gospel is for everybody. Regardless of what any one of us thinks. But again, let us continue. Verse 28 and 30. Then the woman left her jar, went into town and told people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left town and made their way to him. At this point, we talked about this again last week, which is why it's nice if you were here last week, you'll be able to know what I'm talking about. But this woman had heard enough. She had finally heard all of it. And then something happened. Something big happened. Jesus was talking with her in a way that wasn't forced. It wasn't hurried. But it was the truth. He told her who she was. And who that was is a sinner. She was a sinner. She may have heard it before. She may not. But Jesus told her she was it was a sinner who needed a savior who needed to repent of the sin that she was steeped in just like every one of us he told her who he really is which is the most important part but she was so excited she was so excited to hear this that she left her jar of water and took off to go tell people Now, it doesn't say this. This is kind of a Trevorism. But if you remember back, we go backwards a little bit to verse 15 from last week. It says, sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I don't have to get thirsty and come here to draw water again. She didn't want to have to keep coming back. Do you remember that verse, right? She didn't want to have to keep coming back. She wanted that living water that Jesus had so she would never be thirsty again. I believe she found that water. I believe Jesus gave her that water. She believed in Jesus Christ and at that moment, that mere physical water didn't matter. It didn't matter anymore. That's amazing. And I say that because she just dropped her water. She made all this way. Oh, She traveled all that way carrying this big stupid jug so she could take it back to do whatever she had to do with it. And then she just drops it and leaves it and goes. It didn't matter anymore. She didn't care. Her only priority for that day at that time was to bring back the water. And that top priority, just the vapor, flew away, didn't matter anymore. And I think that's cool. I mean, that's really great. But this is the, my favorite part. This is, this is the best part. What did she go do right away? She had to go tell everybody. She had to go tell everybody. Everybody, quite honestly, I'll say it like this just because it's more up in your face, but she couldn't shut up about it. Have you ever been there to where you just couldn't shut up about it? I'm going to go tell the world about Jesus. And you're like, I don't want to hear about you. You're like, I don't care. I'm going to talk anyway. And if you try to walk out the door, I'm going to follow you down the street too. But you're going to hear about the one who saved me and changed everything. That's kind of what she was doing. It was a big deal. And she couldn't stop. And the thing I like about it the most is that she didn't sugarcoat it at all. She didn't walk up to you like, "Hey, let me tell you about this guy who's giving out stuff." Let me tell you about the guy who said, "If you have faith, you can have like a new house, right?" Or she, he gave me this little bottle of water so that I wouldn't have to come back to the the well, and it just fills up all the time. She didn't make false promises. She didn't bend it. She said, hey, let me tell you about this guy who told me all the sin that I meant and said that there's a way for me to be forgiven. She didn't sugarcoat it at all. And again, I think she did so with passion and with fire. And I say that because they believed her. They believed her. And no offense to about half of you here, but women didn't have the most credible testimony in the world at this time. But this whole town believed every single word that she said. And they went to go see who she was talking about. And if we can take anything from this part, let it be this, and expressly this. Go and tell people about Jesus. Don't tell people, but don't sugarcoat it. Don't tell them what they want to hear. Don't tell people what you think they want to hear. Don't make up a fake Jesus that you think that someone might find interesting. Don't do that. Don't make up a fake Jesus that would appeal to the masses. Don't do that either. Tell the world about who the Bible says Jesus is. Because that's the only way. And I can guarantee you there will be pushback. Not a surprise. There will be. There will probably be, probably be people who even hate you for it. To be fair, also fine. This one stinks, but it's also true. There will be people who claim to be Christians who will hate you for preaching what God's Word says. Trust me, I have been there. And that's also okay. Because that is the only way to do it. That's the only way to preach God's truth, His truth, word for word, what Jesus has revealed to us, what the Holy Spirit inspired Him to say to us, that is the only way to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the only way. We don't get to make up a gospel that's appealing to us. It's offensive. You've all been offended by the gospel. That's why you're here. Because it tells us that we're sinners, that we need a Savior, that we can't do it ourselves. But anyway, this Samaritan woman goes off. She goes off to do her thing. And again, the whole while here, we get to see the disciples get schooled again. So again, we're going to look at this. Verse thirty-one through thirty-three says this: In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, "Rabbi, eat something." But he said, "I have food to eat that you know nothing about." The disciples said to one another, "Could someone have brought him something to eat?" I know I love that part. <laughs> they they were telling Jesus to, "You got to eat something, man. Come on, you got to have something." It'd probably been a while since they ate last. You know, they've been walking. They've, they've been on a long journey. And they were probably thinking like, man, this guy's like going to pass out. He's he going to get sick because he hasn't had nothing to eat. You've been like working all day. You're out on a hike all day. You don't feel good at the end of the day. So if we were all, you know, doing that, and then Jesus was out there with us, we'd be all, oh, man, I need something to eat. I'm just going to die. And he'd be like, I'm good. Let's go. Let's do it again. They didn't understand stand it. They were looking at things completely different. And then Jesus tells them that. He's like, you have no idea. You still don't get it. And to be fair, they were never going to because Jesus is God and they were not. But he was saying, I, I have a different kind of food. Again, something you'll know nothing about. And I can just imagine the disciples' faces. But they're like, did, did somebody bring him something? Did we miss it? Did he like have you know pizza brought in? What's going on? They wouldn't have known, but they were confused. Because so it shows that they are confused. They didn't get it. They don't understand. They're still learning. So if anybody ever says you're kind of like one of the disciples in the Bible, say, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we are. Because we miss the point. We miss it. We're trying, right? We want to know more. But man, sometimes we just miss it. Continuing on, verse 34 says this. Jesus is replying to them now, My food is to do the will of Him who sent Me and to finish His work. Quite simply, straight and to the point, preaching truth and saving souls has more satisfaction than the best food in the world. It has more satisfaction than any food could ever bring. And I've had some good food in my time. But that was Jesus' goal. And that is what He did. He lived it. When He said it, He actually put one foot in front of the other and went about and showed that that is what He wanted to do. And that's what He was going to. To accomplish for us, yes, food and nutrition are a critical part of staying alive, right? Have to have it, but this shows us something else, and that's something else is that having our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life is way more important. Life might seem long at some times, especially when you're going through the thick of it, right? But I guarantee you, eternity is much, much longer. Our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life is the most important place we could ever see our name written down. Continuing on, verse 35. Don't you say that there are still more, or excuse me, still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look to the fields because they are ready for harvest. Jesus uses a, a farming, a grain analogy, because they would have understood it. They were in an epicenter of a farming area here. They would have known what this meant. If you don't know what happens, essentially, if you don't harvest at the right time, certain things start to go wrong. Certain things have to go bad. Whatever's in the field can spoil. It can rotten. The pods can burst, and everything spills onto the ground, and it's... Ruined. Essentially, if you don't harvest, everything will be lost. I think you know where this one's going. And what does Jesus tell them? Open your eyes. Simply look around, it's ripe. Look out to the fields. And I don't want to encroach too much on next week's sermon, but I don't think it's an analogy any longer. I don't think it's hyperbole or or a metaphor or anything else. Because right after this exchange, something happens. He's telling them to look out into the fields. They're ripe for harvest. And if we notice what's happening, all the Samaritans that this woman just told, they're now coming. He's saying, hey, they're ripe. They're ready. They want it. Go tell them the truth. No matter how much it may hurt. Don't try to hurt them, obviously. But tell them the truth. Don't sugarcoat it. The world is ripe for harvest right now, right outside those doors. No offense to anybody, I'm here too. So outside of our comfort zone, the world needs each and every one of us to be bold, to learn how to harvest. But too often we're too busy. We don't want to tell them. We don't harvest at the right time. So while we're not harvesting, they're all being spoiled and rotten by the world. Not a good thing. We pull back because we're scared. Because we don't think we know enough. There's always going to be people who know more or who are better at something than you are. But each one of you have a gift that you can take out that God has personally and individually given to you and you in specific to go and share His Word with the world. Use it. Don't be afraid and use it. But we're going to continue. Taking this last section as a whole, let me read it real quick just so we can get through it a little bit easier. Starting in verse 36, it says this, The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. The easiest way to say this, it's already happening when Jesus is talking about it, it's already happening. The Holy Spirit, again, Trevorism doesn't say this here, but I believe the Holy Spirit went ahead of the woman, prepared the hearts and the minds of the Samaritans, so when she started just telling them, they were saying, what? we got to go! This is it! It's already happening! The Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts and minds of people here today, two thousand years ago, outside, and down the road in Fredericksburg, down in Richmond, uh, back in Iowa, where we just came from after vacation, all over. And if you don't think that that's happening, you are wrong. Have you seen it recently? Yeah. Hunter, how about you? You seen God moving recently? Anybody not seen God moving recently? Then how is the Spirit not moving? And how can we say that we're not going to go out and tell people about Him? We see Him move every single day in our lives. But the problem is we take it and we put it in our pocket because we're either scared or, or we don't like the people we're supposed to go tell. I don't know which one it is. Maybe it's a different reason, but we have a reason why we won't take them out. If it's ripe for harvest and we don't harvest, who's wrong? If we don't preach the gospel that we say we believe, do we actually believe it? God has set this up in a way that we should be doing something. If we want to hear those words, good and faithful servant, then I'll say this, we have to act like it. We have to do something. We can't claim to love God and not do what He commands. We can't. Because He said that that's how it works. I mean, these aren't my words at all. I could show you all the passages. We need to start acting like it. But I will say this, it can get hard. Have you ever witnessed? Oh, I actually want to see some hands. Have you ever witnessed to somebody, told them about Jesus, you preached the gospel and you thought you killed it? Like, you're like, yeah, this guy, and they were like, get out of my face. Has that ever happened to anybody? Okay, there's a few, right? That, that happens. I'm sorry it does, but it does. We got to be prepared for that. Not everyone you witness to is going to believe in Jesus Christ. Not everybody you witness to is not going to believe in Jesus Christ at least right at that moment. It might not happen. But that cannot stop you from telling people about Him. The first person who told me about Jesus, I did not come to Christ in front of that person. It didn't happen. The first person who told any of you about Jesus, you you probably didn't come to Jesus in front of them either. That's okay. We don't get to control the outcomes. We may not get to control anything. We may not get to con- get, get to see the fruits of our labor this side of heaven. I've witnessed to Christ or witnessed about Christ to people. I don't know how many times. A lot of people told me to go away, right? Some of them I've seen since then. Some of them I never will again. But some of them I'll get to see in heaven, and they're going to say, Trevor, thank you for being faithful to tell me about our Lord and Savior. We get to hear it then. We get to hear the Lord and Savior himself say, well done, good and faithful servant. It does not depend on the tally marks. When you get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, well, you missed the quota. Sorry, you don't get in. That's not why we do what we do. William Carey preached in, was where, anybody know who William Carey was? There's a couple. He preached in India for seven years before a single person came to Christ. He was by himself in a country where he knew nobody. One guy would show up every once in a while, like, hey, how are you doing? Not good? Okay, bye. I see you in a couple years. And then that was it by himself, but he faithfully preached the word for seven years with nothing. I can see by your faces you wouldn't want to do that. It would be hard. It would not be fun at all. But did that stop him? No. He wanted to. He wanted to a lie. And I can't blame him. We simply must be obedient to God. And preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Chapter 4, verses 2-4 through four says this. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to ear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. The harvest is ready. Are you? Are are we ready to preach the truth in spite of what's being taught out there? Because the world and the devil, guess what? They want their harvest too. They want their harvest too. We have to be willing to stand up and to stand out. And not to be afraid to preach what the Bible actually says. We have to. Because that's the only way. And as we look at this, we get the opportunity here today to build off who's come before us. And they built off who came before them. And if God chooses to have more patience, then there will be people who build off of what we have. And again, and again, others can continue doing what we are doing today. And as a whole, we do our part as the body of Christ. Many members. One body. Going forward. And we can be faithful an obedient servants to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. That's the main and the plane. Are we obedient to what He has told us, even when you don't like what it says? That one's hard. That one's hard. But again, I'll simply ask you this one last question: When it's hard. Who's right and who's wrong? Because it's no one in this room who's right. If this is what it says and we disagree with it, we bend. And then we allow it to break us so that we can be more obedient to God. Plain and simple. And then the harvest is ripe. And when we're obedient to him, we will harvest 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100-fold. Amen? Father, again, we thank You for everything that You do, for who it is that You are. Lord, I personally, and I think I can speak on behalf of everyone here, thank You for Your Word that You would reveal stuff, Your Word, Your mind, all these things to us. Lord, we're grateful for all that You do. I do pray that you'd forgive us when we come up short. Me personally, Lord, forgive me that I make excuses. I don't want to talk to this person. I want to I want to take a break. I don't have the luxury, Lord, to say that certain people don't need you or can't have you. Lord, help us to throw it out. To not be scared, but to shout from the mountaintops who You are. Lord, help us to preach Your Word boldly, but truthfully and lovingly. Lord, Your Word says that the world is ripe for harvest, but the workers are few. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Use us as we are faithful and obedient servants to you so that we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you for all that you do. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.